Now listen closely. They will attack your eyes till nothing remains but two bloody sockets. Ladies and gentlemen, my subject is disturbed tonight. Her world is disturbed. Now I saw those bodies and whoever mutilated them has a very special problem. There's nothing to be afraid of. Stay Scary Podcast. It has to be a banana floater and it, it can't smell too bad. Oh, yeah. I could see how that would be a thing. Yeah. 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 I think people uh, don't look at their poop very often. Well, maybe they do and we just don't talk about it. Mm. But nothing is taboo here. No, nothing is taboo. Especially since it's dark outside today while we're recording. Yes, this is... Well, I mean, it's, it's dark down in the basement, but tonight we're actually recording... At the Hexen house, um, in my house, in the dining room. So hopefully uh, it doesn't sound too shitty and we'll get some stuff out in post. But uh, welcome to Stay Scary Podcast. This is a very special episode with, you know, with which each letter uh, capitalized. Very special episode. It's story night. And uh, I am Lisa McColgan. And I'm Ian Kiefer. <laughs> And I just took a big old gulp of tea when she started introducing herself, yeah, which is a problem. So that's going to upset people, the swallowing noise. I think that you put some uh, deadly nightshade in this again. Oh, I just hit the, I hit my computer with a, you know, all kinds of ambient noises here in the, in, in the Hexen house. But um, yeah, so we decided uh, to, to make sort of a regular occurrence of, of story time, story time. Where, where we each tell a scary story or, you know, some kind of story and maybe how it relates to things that are going on right now or how it relates to other horror movies. And, uh, you know, so we don't have a guest, although uh, Kevin is in the other room, hopefully being quiet. And the cats are around, but Mephisto's under the bed and Footfoot's just poking around. But, um, yeah, and Felicia's downstairs, but I don't think Felicia's coming upstairs. Well, Lisa, thank you for letting me come to your lair today. Yes, did, did you like the, the, my little spread of, like, various foodstuffs? Yes, these look like eyeballs. Yes, we have uh, we have grapes and we have goat cheese and we have cheddar cheese. We have a couple of different kinds of crackers and then this, this wonderful fig black tea jelly jam thing that I bought in the market downstairs from my office. City Feed in Jamaica Plain. It's delicious. It's very good. If you put like on one of the wheat thins and then you'd put like some goat cheese on the wheat thin and then you put the 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 jelly on the on top of that, it's fucking delicious. I don't know if you've done it yet, but it's I haven't done it. It is trust yet. me, it is maybe while I'm telling my story, it is fucking delicious. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. We tell each other stories and like eat and like try to freak each other out. But I don't think I don't think I'll be able to freak Lisa out. Nothing really freaks me no. out. Although we do have our new um, Stay Scary t-shirts that I that I designed and and ordered. But right now only Yin and I have them. They're awesome. Yeah, it's they really got are. Eugenia, the creepy baby, saying boingy 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 on the boingy front. boingy. And then stay scary pod on the uh, on the back, hashtag stay scary pod. Hashtag stay scary pod. And um, the other thing that I wanted, I, I forgot what I wanted to say oh. I hate when that happens. Was it about Just, stories? It was about. Well, it, I do have a question about that, but yes, 
I think I will ask that question. I was going to hold off, but okay. I, what was the first scary story that you remember? I mean, I'm sure I heard about, my, my mom when my when my mom explained the whole uh, Anne Boleyn thing to me because she used to sing uh, that the, that folk song with the red tot. Underneath her arm, she walked the bloody tower. My mom used to sing that to me. And how old were you? I don't know. Pretty young. Uh. Pretty young. Um, I don't know. Maybe like six or seven. And and you know, she explained that you know Henry the Eighth had all of these wives, and there was one wife that had her head cut off. As it turns out, there were two wives that had their heads cut off. But you know, Anne Boleyn is the, the most famous. The more famous of of the two wives that had her head cut off, and so she, you know, explained that her ghost walks around, um, walks around the Tower of London, holding her head. Uh, so it's this headless ghost walking around it. And I became like obsessed with like headless things. Like, so like Ichabod Crane and, uh, you know, the headless horseman that like used to like spook the shit out of me, but I would still like draw pictures of it anyway. That was the best story growing up. I liked that story. Decapitation. I was obsessed with. So thanks, mom. Uh, <laughs> this is why you have doll heads all this is, on your bookshelf. Yes, I have. Here. I have the doll heads over here on my bookshelf, and I don't know if you've seen uh, in several places around the house. I have doll heads in giant apothecary jars. That is something. There's else. one in the living room over there. I, I don't think know I just got desensitized to the, all of the disembodied heads that it just every room just had to have one i guess at that point yeah so yeah that that's my thing i've I've got yeah creepy old the the older and creepier and more decrepit like this one here in the middle it's head like the scalp is all like (laughs) falling apart and shit and the eyes and the eyes are all like jacked and weird and yeah yeah i'm a very troubled woman do you name them? Um, no, no, they don't have names. They don't have names. No, no, they're just nameless. I like them. They. I, I like them too. I like them. Maybe we'll take a picture of those. Yep. So that's the that's probably the first thing that I remember that that started me off on like this whole thing about like decapitation and scary stories. Headless, yeah. So anything anything that involved like a, a disembodied head. Was especially if they talk. Oh yeah, disembodied heads that talk are really scary. There's this. There's a book about Anne Boleyn that came out not too long ago that you know, like actually speculates on how long the head was alive, like after it was removed, and and it was just it was horrifying to read. And of course, I read it like several times, lingering lovingly over every paragraph. <laughs> my my daughter actually knows how long the human head can. Of course, live she off. does. I, and I couldn't believe. I looked at her and she she said, "Yes, you know, if you if you get your head chopped off by a guillotine, your head will still be able to see what it's, what's going on." I think she said a few seconds or something after it, the fact. So yeah, and it speculates on like what it actually feels like, or yeah, just like oh. Ugh. No, I was um, I was I was indoctrinated by my father into scary stories. Every Halloween, he would read me an Edgar Allan Poe story. He had a, uh-huh. a bunch of books, and uh, one of them was um, a whole like anthology of Edgar Allan Poe stories. And um, the very first one, and the one that I would ask for every year, was uh, the Telltale Heart. Uh huh. So it's a heart that you know just kind of beats. Boom. 
by itself under the floorboards. Yeah. And you see this man descending into madness as, you know, he's trying to tell the police the story of, you know, where, where the man go. I don't know where he went. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then by the end of the thing, well, we all know what happens, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. So who wants, do you want, do you want to go first with your story? Sure. Okay. I'll see how What's your goes. story, Yenny? My, oh, you know, my family does call me that. I know. <laughs> I know. You mentioned it. So, oh, I guess I did. So uh, my first, my the first story is called The Viewing, and it's by Matt Ferreira, who is the author of the novel An Ocean of Maybe, as well as the short story collection Young Drunks in Love, and the poetry collection Five Seeds Enclosed in a Capsule. Damn. And he is uh, a resident of San a mess and uh, also a musician. Um, you can find his works at mattferreira.bandcamp.com. Does he know you're doing this? Oh, yeah. He, oh, cool. I got his permission. I told him that we're kind of wise cracky, so All right. he is well aware. So okay. you can go ahead and crack wise. Tell me a story, Yenny. <laughs> Tell me a story. Tell me a story, Yenny. <laughs> Yenny. It's <laughs> You need to tell I'm me. trying to get into character. You need to tell me the story, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. You have you have a sister, right? Yes. Is she is she younger than you? Two years younger. Two years, and like, did you torment her? Oh yes. She will oh. tell you the story about how I made her laugh so hard she peed herself. Oh my god. And and the rug of our bedroom. She she has she's actually mentioned that <laughs> she's posted that on Facebook. The la- when she when she wished me a happy birthday, she was just like happy birthday to my sister, who once made me laugh so hard I peed my pants and the rug. She peed. I'm- <laughs> Is this, story, is this story going to be about pee? No, it's not about pee. This is a slow burn about stories about pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Is that creepier, creepier than Eugenia? No, no I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Matt. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try not to to laugh. I can't look at you. I can't All even right. look at you. Okay. Don't look at me. Okay. I'm behind the All mic. Right. All right. What a lovely place! The woman behind me in line observes, as if this were an open house and not an open casket. Don't you think? She's right in a way, I suppose. If funeral homes could ever be judged as lovely. It is the apotheosis of funeral parlors, I say snidely, scanning what is a home but not, at once classy and gaudy, sterile yet busy with ornate tables and floral wallpaper and ruffled curtains. The paragon of faux houses built atop cold cellars where makeup is applied to dead faces. Offensive in its earnest attempt to offend no one. If Disney created a theme park ride based on a wealthy grandmother's stately home, the cordon corralled queue of thrill seekers would wind through rooms like this. I feel bad for my tone, though. It's not this woman's fault that I have to be here in this horrible place to say goodbye to a chemically treated body that once housed the soul of my estranged ex-lover. I'm sorry, I can't say lover with a straight face. Lover. Lover. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's quite nice, I croak. 
and then I feign a sudden interest in a framed Cezanne print. The line for visitation and viewing was out the door and down the street, and I was grateful enough not to recognize many faces that I held it together until I got inside. But now, amid the countless vases stuffed with papery white flowers and long-necked table lamps, the white bricked fireplace and nondescript paintings in faux gold frames, I desperately want to leave or pull the fire alarm, to start smashing the furniture in innocuous bric-a-brac. It's a mental tantrum that I would normally castigate myself for, but I let myself off the hook. Beyond the grief, I'm not, I'm not well. I haven't been sleeping since Allison died, and my exhaustion has taken its toll. I think I might be coming down with something. There's an elderly gentleman in front of me who keeps checking his iPhone for the time, as if he can't hold it in his mind. It irritates me at first, but I gradually lose sense of the passage of time itself. It's like the presence of death has made this place a deep gravity well that twists the arrow of time up like a balloon animal. animal. (laughs) Sorry. Hmm? Hot enough in here, isn't it? The woman behind me comments. I say nothing. Temperature means nothing because I'm not really there. It's like my body is a representative I've sent in my place. I look at my own phone the way so many of us do, using it as a convenient means of disconnecting from those around us. I scan the news. War, climate disasters, political upheaval, hot flashes. (laughs) Are you like having a hot flash right now? I am. I'm sorry. I'm fanning myself furiously (laughs) while I have a fan in the boudoir. Do you want it? No. All right. No, I'll just just deal with it. In Guam, speaking of hot, a case of a man who woke up in a hospital morgue and wandered around the quarters naked for an hour before dropping dead, seemingly for real this time. Oscar buzzed for yet another psycho clown movie. An outbreak of a flu-like virus in the American Northwest, in Chicago, in Miami, and in the Canadian province of Quebec. The CDC is baffled, and there are accounts that the afflicted are prone to mindless violence. (laughs) I pocket the phone. The world, it seems, is just going to kill itself, just like Allison did. The line shifts forward, and I can see Allison's mother. It's been a dozen years at least since I last saw her, but she looks so much older that it shocks me, and I stare down at the intricate pattern on the earth-toned Persian rug spread over the creaky hardwood floor. How did you know her? I hear the old man in front of me ask. School, I say, because it's simpler. Simpler is better for both of us, I think. I look up, and his eyes are wet. I wonder how he knew her, but I honestly don't want to hear about it, so I don't ask. Did you know her long? Not long enough. No, he says, I suppose not. Excuse me, I say, and I step out of line and rush back down the hallway to the propped open double doors and hurry down the front steps outside. Across the street is a cemetery with a stone half wall surrounding it. I cross the street without looking to see if car is coming, and I climb over the wall and drop down into the muddy grass, my dress shoes sinking in it slightly. I lean against a headstone that has several small rocks stacked atop. I can't do this. But I have to because whether I do it here or not, I'll be doing it. I can run out of a building, I can flee a crowd, but in the end, Allison will still be dead. I reach down and pick up a rock and place it atop the gravestone. I assume they'll put her here with the rest. These marble markers under withered shadows of sycamores. Some fossil at first, 
fossiliferous deposits. That's a word. That's that. Like Matt spares no syllables here. He Mm -mm. just likes these big fucking words. Big 25 cent words. I know. Go Matt. Yeah, go Matt. Some Thanks, Matt. Some fossiliferous deposits in the weathered headstones are gilded in the dappled sunlight, and the name is still legible on the Portland stone. Who goes to cemeteries anymore anyway? I imagine more people will just comment on their still active Facebook page more than ever, leave supermarket bought flowers on a patch of grass in a walled off pocket of her hometown. I guess some people still come here. Someone stacked these stones, but every flower arrangement I see around me is desiccated. Every cross driven in the dirt like a tent pole. Every little flag tattered and sun bleached one slaps parched wind as if it was the last thing on earth to remember all these names. What's the point of collecting the names of the dead, carving them into stones when those who recognize the names will soon be gone too? Damn. Okay. It's like burying the bones in a bottomless slit of bone dust. Wow. I've never seen a bottomless slit of bone dust. I've there. got a bottomless slit of bone dust. <laughs> Menopause. I think uh, Melissa was talking about dusty ovaries. Dust, dusty ovaries. Oh. Dusty ovaries. <laughs> All right. We're moving right along. <laughs> it's like there are two deaths. Yeah, well, one of the physical body and a second one when there is no one left who remembers. I thought I saw you leave. The voice is far away, straining to bridge the distance, but I know it's Carol. Damn it, Carol. (laughs) Allison's older sister by five years. Aside from Allison's body and that half-open casket itself, seeing her was what I dreaded the most. It's too hard in there. So many people, I say, without turning around. She'd understand if you left, you know. She knows who you are. Knew. Knew that you're not the kind of person that does well at things like this. Yeah. Hey, her voice closer now. Why don't you look at me? Because you look like her. Too much like her. And I think if I see you, I'm going to lose it. But I take a deep breath and turn around anyway. And I see her eyes and thank God they're brown and not the pale blue Allison's were. She looks the same as the last time I saw her, more or less. Her hair is shorter in what I think they still might call a bob. A sporty bob, I think. I read once in one of Allison's Cosmos. But what the hell do I know? There's a reason why I always avoided clothes and cosmetics as gifts for Allison, or any other woman for that matter. Carol lights a white filtered cigarette and examines the ember at the end of it as if it contained the answer key to all of life's riddles. I hate this. Who likes it? But you should go back in. Be with your mom, I mumble. I'll be all right. She shrugs. You're probably right. But I don't want to. My head is killing me. But I guess I should. She turns back in the direction of the funeral home. You coming? Not yet. Soon. Sorry. Okay, she sighs and walks away without looking back. As soon as she disappears through the front doors, I walk out of the cemetery and down the street to my car. I shoot a sideways glance at the line leading into the funeral parlor, and I see one of our former college professors, history class. I can't recall his name. Carl? Craig? One syllable, I'm sure. I then recall that around the same time Allison and I were in his class together in one of those smaller classrooms in an old country house that was owned and had been repurposed by... Matt, this is a long-ass sentence. This sentence is three lines long. Wow. I... 
this too and that was a long thing for me to read i just want you to know that <laughs> i dreamt that allison was covered in sores vomit and death Ooh. yeah I was carrying her fevered and shivering body through a sooty parking garage that spiraled down and down, spiral after spiral. I could never find the exit. Throughout the dream piped into the garage, a loop of an old fat boy slim song played like an infernal soundtrack. If this don't make your body move, your booty must be dead. Damn. Yeah. Actually, it's booty. If this don't booty. make your booty move. Yeah, okay. Yep. I messed it up. <laughs> it was not It was not Matt. It was me. The average duration of REM dreams is apparently 15 minutes, yet I would swear I spent hours of panic descent in that garage. I can still see the grimy walls, the echoes, that endless spiral. I attended lectures for months in real time with Craig, whatever his last name is. Saw him around campus in the CAF for the four years I went there. Went to faculty symposiums in which he took part, all in the real world. Yet, I remember less of him than I do of a conjured torment. It makes me wonder if I'm real. Maybe I'm dead and Allison is dreaming this. So much I see like a distant astronomer peering through a telescope pointed at the back of my eyes. Mm. Arrays of massive dishes in a desert receiving signals boop, 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 from a distant galaxy called my, by my name a spiral galaxy. I reach my car in the funeral home lot and get in and put the keys into the ignition and scan radio stations looking for a song that might push my thoughts away from the yawning abyss they're spiraling into. Again, this is another one of those three line sentences. Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift, no. Bruno Mars, no. NPR, investigating a brutal murder in the cemetery and definitely no. <laughs> Zeppelin, love them, but not right now, thanks. I get to 91.3 FM and I hear more reports of outbreaks and I'm all angry. Too much reality. This was a mistake. Why does this hurt so much? The obvious answer is that someone I love has died, of course. I answer myself aloud. I'm dimly aware of how crazy I would look to passersby talking to myself in a parked car. Or more to the point, the person you loved most of all is dead. Then I correct myself. Killed herself. Simple and to the point, but it's not the full truth of it. If you're going to go back in there and see her dead face, you're going to have to get a grip on what you're feeling first. Okay, then, I say, exhaling heavily. Killed herself and no one expected it. No one knows why. Closer. And instead of saying goodbye the last time I spoke to her, I was hurt by her our breakup and was cruel. And now I feel ashamed, like I killed her. And maybe I'm still hurt, but there's just no place for that now. I get out of the car. I would give anything if I could just feel her arms around me one more time, I say to no one. It's an odd feeling of relief and anguish, like I feel better and worse at once. Nothing hurts nor liberates more than an inchoate certainty. Sometimes, I swear to God, the loss of fetters is heavier than the bindings. Part of me is homesick for a place that never existed, a shadow that I crouched in and convinced myself was a world, the mythology of darkness unfolding in the real dark. There's momentum in the naming of the thought, maybe. Hope, at least. A fluttering spark. Just one more time to feel her arms around me. But it's even more of a dream as that parking garage had been. She's gone. I walk back to the funeral home and stand in line again. In time, I'm back inside with the flowers and benign decor and pleasantries exchanged to keep the grief at bay. And then... I'm in line to offer my sympathies to her mother. When she sees me, she breaks into tears and hugs me. We were never close, and I don't know how I'm supposed to react. 
So I just hug her back and tell her I'm so sorry. And for a second, I feel like I'm hugging Allison, an Allison from a future that can't come to pass, an Allison that got to grow older. And I'm telling her over and over again, I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. I'm a little teapot, her mother says, weeping. Short and stout. Pardon? Here's my handle. Here's my spout. Grief, maybe. She's lost her mind. Her daughter took a fatal dose of opiates and didn't leave a note. I just smile awkwardly and pull away. My head suddenly feels full of burning spiders. Behind my eyes, sharp stabbing pains like hornet stings. Carol is beside her mother and I realize she's not really there. Her eyes are fixed on a wall and blinking, like she's gone into a coma but has remained standing. I nod to her as I pass, but it just doesn't register. She's chewing her bottom lip, a nervous habit of hers, which she's doing too hard, and there are flecks of red blood on her incisors. Grief and madness are crocodiles and alligators. I never know which is which. I shake the thought away to steal myself for what I know I must do. The casket is the glossy wood of living room floors and furniture catalogs. The lid is segmented, the lower half closed and covered in a massive arrangement of red and white flowers and baby's breath. The upper half is opened. Ruffled white satin lines the interior, and there she is, eyes closed, makeup tasteful, but not quite right in a way that provokes a brief flash of hot rage. She's just lying there. She's so still. She's so still that my brain plays tricks on me and creates an illusion of subtle breathing. And that's what finally does me in. The irrational yet powerful thought that it's all been a huge misunderstanding and that she's actually just sleeping like some bewitched princess in a fairy tale. Takes everything I have not to run away. Instead, I kneel on a cushion provided expressly for kneeling. And I look at her earrings and the tiny mole next to her left eye. Instead of praying, I just think that soon they'll close this lid forever. And soon after that, bury this gleaming wooden box in the ground like a seed that won't grow anything. I wish I could say goodbye to you, I say. I don't know how, but for what it's worth, I'm sorry. I don't know if there's anything after death, but I hope so, at least for you. And then I get up and fight the urge to take her hand in mine. I almost do anyway, but I think if I felt it cold and pulseless, I'd lose my mind completely. You sometimes see in the movies the bereaved throwing themselves onto the coffin and wailing, tearing their hair and garments. I always thought that seemed so melodramatic, not at all how real people behave. Now, though, I don't know how any of us manage to avoid doing so. It's astounding, the human capacity to fall into standards of decorum, to exchange platitudes and niceties, to be consumed by the rituals and mores, to go through the motions. Like the furniture in the parlor, all unreal but necessary. Like the makeup on Allison's face, not quite right, but essential to stave off the worst of it. We're all dangling over the mouth of hell, suspended on gossamer threads, I think. Where the thought comes from, I'm not sure, but for some reason it feels funny. It's wrong for anything to feel funny. <laughs> I bite my lip and I think of Carol and her vacant eyes. In my head on a loop. This don't make your booty move. Your booty must be dead. 
I reach out and grab the stem of a white rose in one of the floral arrangements. The sharp thorn punctures the skin and I squeeze tighter because the pain brings me back to myself. I look down at the thorn-pierced palm of my hand, a little bead of dark blood growing. What's wrong with me? And then I hear her breath escape her nose. It's low and muffled, like the sound of wind outside a closed window, but unmistakable. I feel all the blood drain from my face and limbs, and the hair on my arms stand straight on end. If this don't make your booty move... Somewhere behind me in the mingling crowd of mourners, I hear an old woman saying, I've always wanted to be devoured. I'm glad it's finally happening. <laughs> The room spins and I feel beads of sweat break out on my face. Let me have your eyes, my beautiful boy, a man outside is yelling. It barely registers. I'm focused on Allison's face. Certainly I imagine the sound of her breath. She's dead. She killed herself and she's been embalmed. Her lungs are less active than glaciers. It's grief. It's just... Allison sits up swiftly, stiff backed like a robot, suddenly <gasps> activated. Her eyes still closed. She turns her head in my direction. She sees me, I think. She sees through me. I stumble back. I hear a man scream, and it takes a second or two to realize it's me. <laughs> Allison's legs twitch in the closed portion of the casket, kicking the lid and making the entire coffin shudder. I feel my legs buckle, and I fall backwards, hitting the floor hard and knocking the wind out of myself. Behind me, I hear a wail and a thud. I see the history prop, Craig, Carl, what the fuck his name is, bashing his head against the wall. He split his forehead open and is leaving crimson blotches on the wall. Bloody Rorschach blots. <laughs> He's laughing and blood and drool slime down his chin and thin tendrils. This don't make your booty move. <laughs> the old man who'd been checking and rechecking his iPhone shoves past me running headfirst into a nearby window. The glass is old, not yet the modern breakaway safety glass, so when his face strikes the window, it shatters. Long daggers of glass lodge into his cheeks and throat. He slumps down, his head resting on the sill, a cascade of blood spilling onto the ugly patterned cat carpet. Your booty must be dead. <laughs> I briefly hear a child out in the hallway screaming profanities, but they're drowned out by a maddening chorus of laughter. Allison begins to tear at her eyes and mouth. I, Ew. I don't know how much about I don't know much about what they do to bodies, but I imagine the eyes are glued, the jaw wired shut. I back away. Suddenly Carol staggers into my peripheral vision, dragging her mother by the hair in one hand and carrying a pewter candlestick holder in the other. Both are laughing. I'm a little teapot. <laughs> a little teapot. <laughs> Her mother shrieks joyfully. When Carol drags the her past drags her past the history prof, still beating his head against the wall, she stops and nonchalantly brings the candle holder down with brutal force. Connecting with the back of his skull. I don't think that's what it sounds like. You're but beating my table. We'll just go with that. Alright. There's a revolting crunch. He crumbles to the floor as if boneless. I'm paralyzed by pure fear, feverish terror. I feel a twist inside me like an uncoiling mamba. Wow. But it changes as rapidly as a traffic light going from red to green, and suddenly I'm furious. My hatred blooms in my skull. 
I'm not a violent man. Once I found a mouse stuck to a glue trap in a parking garage where I'd been working on a maintenance crew. It was still alive, squirming, helplessly shivering and weak, and I placed a newspaper on top of it. I grabbed the push broom and put it down on the newspaper and pushed it down with all my strength and weight. I killed it out of mercy. And I cried. Hmm. I've never truly wanted to hurt anyone or anything. But as I turned from the open casket and joined the mass of black-clad mourners clawing their faces and bludgeoning one another in a murderous frenzy in front of a collage of photos depicting myriad phases of a life cut too short, it's all I want to do. I see Carolyn decide I need to crush her like the mouse. Part of me buried deep under the rage and echoes and loop of fat boy Slim knows that I've gone mad and I take a step toward Carol anyway. And then I feel Allison's cold hands close around my throat. It's a relief. As they squeeze, I think, just one more time to feel her arms around me. I start laughing. (laughs) It's just convulsions. I can't make a sound. The cold hands tighten in the mad, cruel world dims. (laughs) Is that... That's my death. <laughs> Dying. That was my bad acting. Yeah. I hope I didn't butcher your story too badly, Matt. That was cool. The viewing. That was cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a little zombie story. It's a little zombie story, but, you know, it's also, yeah, that funerals and wakes, like wakes, I mean, they're really, if you think about it, it's, it's, and it's, if if you've read um, um, Caitlin, uh, I think it's Caitlin Doughty. Um, she's the um, Ask a Mortician. She has a couple of books no, out. Tell yeah, me about yeah, this. she's really cool. Um, I actually, I'm a Patreon sponsor for her stuff, but like, she's a mortician, and she, you know, it really kind of rallies for more natural death because the whole embalming process is really fucking barbaric. Is she the one that is she the egg one or is she the one where you go and you just bury them in the woods well, she, and I mean, plant and a tree it's, or it's something. all kinds of you know she talks about all kinds of different um options there's a facebook group that i belong to that uh, she does the order of the good death yeah um but yeah when when you were talking about like the eyeball thing like i i because i've read all this stuff i know there are these things that because you know the eyeballs just dissolve like that they're one of the first oh, things yeah, to go yeah. so they have these like 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 rounded things that they shove under the eyelids. Oh my god! And they have like little spikes so that the eyelids stay down. Like oh, so that yeah, so that it looks like you're just. It sleeping. looks like they have eyeballs. It's so artificial. It looks like they have eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. Or else the worms crawl in, the, the worms, worms crawl, crawl out, the worms play pinochle on your snout. Yeah. I don't play pinochle anywhere, but anyway, but yeah. But so, when you think about, it, I mean, yeah, it's 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 like the horror of. The horror of everybody gathering around a dead body, which, you know, it, it that's a tradition, you know, in, you know, the, you in know when, when they lay out for, for, you know, for a wake. But, but there's something particularly terrible about 
the modern way of doing it Absolutely. with the makeup and and you know and, and and again if you read about the embalming process it's really horrible and it, it's every bit as horrible as this you know as, as the death itself as, as well and, and oh. as as this story goes into you know all the blood and gore i mean like that's it's that horrible yeah it, 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 well, you know, he talks about, um, you know, he's walking into the funeral home mm -hmm. and it's this, you know, kind of house of artifice as from the word go, you know, you're walking in and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm in somebody's house. It's like, no, you're not in a house. Yeah. And it's like, let's not, you know, jerk each other off. Or another day. This, right. is, this is like a, a house of death and we all know why we're here. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so to, to pretend, oh, this is such a lovely place, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of a false thing as false as embalming someone. Yeah. Which I think, um, which is Washington, all about it's, yeah. it. And it's for the mourners. It, it, it's yeah. to give them like something, you know, sort of resembling the person in life. But at the same time, it's, it's so unnatural well i read that um the so in washington state they're allowing the more natural yeah death and burial like the, the death pods before and, yeah. yeah so before but long time ago i think um it was abraham lincoln when he died mm -hmm. they they embalmed him he was one of the first inaugural embalmings like modern and yeah. and what they did was they they did that because they wanted to cart his body all around yeah, the all country around the country on the train yeah. yeah and so it made sense to do that and then i think what happened was the aristocracy got a hold of this while well, the president's doing it we're going to do it yeah. and then soon enough everyone else started doing it and that's how it came to yeah. become this commonplace thing which is really quite antiquated and you know not for me i i i it's definitely not for me somewhere I, I you know i i want to be cremated i don't want to be in a box for people to look at it's just it's not it's it's gross i mean it's just you know and and i have no problem with gross but there's just something you know because you know i'm i'm irish catholic i've been to so many fucking wakes i've seen so many orange waxy bodies you know and everybody you know you know people will literally oh they they did such a good job he just looks like he's sleeping no oh, he doesn't he looks no. dead he's dead dead you is know dead. dead is dead although i've always wanted to order like a set of like you know mortician's makeup like mortician mortician's cosmetics i just like want a set of just like, to put it on you no as a light not person? to put it on me not oh. to put it on me i want to like put <laughs> it in my bathroom cabinet and then like the next time we have oh a party, my god like yeah because people are gonna open up people are gonna open up your cabinet and i want like all of this like dead people makeup in my cabinet they don't use cover girl <laughs> Oh no, no! It's maybe very, she's born with it. Maybe it's, she's dead. It's <laughs> it's very specific makeup. Yeah, and the, oh and they God. come in like there's like sort of like a basic kit, and then there's like you know kits with like like basic like she was a basic bitch. This no, like, is kind of this well, is no, kind of makeup just like, It's like the, le the the least amount of makeup in in like you know just just very basic for like you know men. This is makeup. That yeah, we put on men yeah, and and men. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. but then you know as as they they get progressively more expensive, and then you know you have like the tone matching. And stuff, you know. Oh so, my gosh. Well, because you know, you figure they're they're fucking blue and gray at yeah. that point, you yeah. know, and then you have to like mix it and make them look. Well, you got to get out. You have to drain all the blood out first. Yeah. I don't know what color. I, I I've you got to drain all the this. fluids. You got to stuff the the chest cavity Sawdust or and, something and like news or whatever. It's it's just ugh. yeah. You too can have your own home embalming kit. 
I just, 1995. I, still, I just want the makeup. <laughs> I just want the makeup. Yeah, I, I, if I could just get donated to science, I would donate my body to science if they. I want to do it. the body farm. If I don't get, if I, I just want to like just just throw my 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 corpse at a body farm and like study how it like disintegrates. Oh. Body. That's a that's a thing. And then because then like you know, um, where do they do this? There's a few different places. But I think, but yeah, if you just Google body farm, body farm and, and they, and, and forensic, you know, forensic students, you know, study like the rate of decay and the, you know, and I'm just thinking, green acres is the place for me. Dead bodies as far as the eye can see. Yes. So you can donate your body to a body farm. Wow. For for forensic science students to to watch, uh, you know, under 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 what circumstances, you know, and how fast do you decompose? Damn. No science. You can study my body if you want to. And if you don't, then fuck you anyway. (laughs) I'm dead. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool story, bro. Matt. Good. Good story. Yes. Yeah. That was that was sufficiently creepy and capturing the the unnaturalness of the whole wake from you know the reality from you know when it starts out very you know normal like eh, here we all like you know are you know, making nice making small talk while there's a fucking corpse in the next room the corpse of his lover lover his lover his lover <laughs> <laughs> thank you Matt yeah good story so yeah mine's not quite as lengthy a story but you know I was um, thinking about that uh, thing in the news about the uh, the 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 woman who had the woman who has a dwarfism some kind of dwarfism oh. and she was posing as a six year old and got yes. herself a, a six year old like Ukrainian girl yeah. I think she got adopted and she got adopted yeah. but 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 <laughs> little did out, they know it turns out that she's really something like twenty two and like she's like this murderous like imposter what are you putting in my tea i'm trying to poison you yeah she's like putting windex in their coffee and shit (laughs) and 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 it's just but but you know i'm listening to it and of course everybody's just like oh it's the orphan it's you know it's the plot of the movie the orphan i'm like yeah but but it also reminds me of these stories these old you know welsh irish you know english stories about changelings you know old school now we're going we're going old school and uh so i've got i've got a whole mess of like books of you know like fairy tales and um and you know ghost stories and 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 things from different parts of the world i've got you know books you know ghost stories and monster stories from norway and but this is um this is this book i've had this like for so long it's like one of my favorite books i've had it since i was a kid it's uh, abby lovers banshees and boggarts it's an illustrated encyclopedia of fairies and it's by katherine briggs um and so there's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's alphabetical. And so there's this, um, something it's, it's, it's called the, the bend it their mommy or mamai or the mother's blessing. This is a Glamorganshire name for the fairies. They are called this to please them because they are supposed to be very eager to get hold of mortal children and to leave their own changelings or crimbles instead. The bendeth 
or mommy, 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 <laughs> Bendis or mommy, 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 were supposed to be stunted and ugly, so that they were very anxious to get hold of beautiful mortal children to improve their stock. There is a Welsh story, because there's always a Welsh story. A young widow had a very beautiful baby whom she guarded with great care. The neighbors were sure that the Bendith or Mamai would try to steal it away. One day when the child was three years old, she heard a great lowing among the cattle and ran out to see what was the matter. <laughs> What's the matter, cow? <laughs> I come out to see the cow. <laughs> when <laughs> oh, so no, the widow heard the low, the lowing. It wasn't the little girl. All right, so so she went out. She was distracted by the cows, as you know, you often do. You know, when you're driving along a country road, look, cow, 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 wow. and then you moo at the cow, like from in the car, and like, like the they cow, can hear like you. They can hear you. Okay, so when she got back, the cradle was empty, and a little stunted boy was standing at the door who greeted her as Mammy. She was sure he was a crimble, for he never grew like this, like this. Like the changeling like, girl. Well, like the dwarf girl, yeah. Yeah. Never grew, and after a year, she went to a cunning man who told her that first she must test the child. To do this, she got a raw egg and taking it into the kitchen, cut the top off and stirred it up very carefully. When the crimble asked her what she was doing, she answered, I am making a pasty for the reapers. <laughs> I'm making a make a pasty for the reaper. <laughs> All right, what? Make a pasty for the reaper. What? He cried. I said a pasty for the reaper. I heard from my father, and he heard it from his father, and that one from his father, that an acorn was before the first oak. But I have neither heard nor seen anybody making the pasty for the reapers in an eggshell. Whoa, oh, oh, wow. The mother said nothing in reply, but that night she went and told the cunning man. So far, so good, he said. But now we must make sure that your own child is with the Bendith or Mamai. And he told her to go to the crossroads above Rydiglock. I'm probably butchering that if there's Welsh people out there. I'm sorry. Four days after the full moon and watch there till midnight. The procession of the Bendith or Mamai would pass by then and she must remain still and silent even if her child should be with them or all would be lost. She went and did just as he said, though her heart nearly burst when she saw her own dear son among the fairy children. Next morning, she went to the cunning man, and he told her to get a black cock without a <laughs> stop. <laughs> a black cock without a white feather on it. She had a great search to find one, but in the end, she got it. She rang its neck and roasted it over the spit. Without you know, it's because of the way you said cock, right? <laughs> cock. A black cock. <laughs> without a white feather on it. All right. She, so she, rang, it, right? she rang its neck and roasted it over the spit without plucking it. Oh. She did not look at the cradle until every feather had dropped off. 
Then she turned round, and the cradle was empty, and outside the door she heard the voice of her own little son. He was thin and worn and remembered nothing that had happened to him except that he heard sweet music. He soon grew well and strong again, and they were never troubled by the fairies again. This is not the most usual way of rescuing a captive from fairyland. Generally, they have to be seized and held and covered with a human garment. Well... <laughs> so I guess that's where the the um, expression "she's off with the fairies" yes, is. like when somebody's like you know wandering away, like a kid's wandering away. Yeah. That's what they say. Wander off. With the, with she's the off with the fairies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm a crimble. A crimble. I'm a crimble. Um, because I was just like a terrible infant. Well, yeah, you keep saying that, but they kept you, so you couldn't have been they that bad. They did keep bad. me. They did keep me. Um, well, I mean, you know. It, they decided that they would raise you as their own, even if you were a crimble. I was a crimble. The crimble. You're, you've been um, somewhat civilized. Yeah. So this isn't really a scary story, but, you know, I mean, it... it, it it taps into, you know... It's folklore. It's, it's, it's folklore. Old. And, you know, these stories, they, they kind of make their way around. So, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the stories where they're talking about, um, you know, the, like the changeling and, you know, they, these come from somewhere. Something had to come from somewhere. I always feel like, mm-hmm. you know, they always say, like, in, a, in every lie, there's maybe just a little bit of a truth. A grain of truth yeah, to it. or a joke or well, something. Well, we're seeing it right now in the news. I mean, like, I haven't looked it up lately, but the last I heard, like, that kid is nowhere to be found. Like, she's, she's, she's out there? She's, she's out there. She, like, disappeared. Like, they can't, they don't know where she is. Oh my God! She's like this, this, this. So she could be like under someone's bed. Well, uh, you know, she's she's hiding out somewhere, and then she's going to pretend to be another be orphan she's somewhere. Gonna she's going to pretend, pretend to be a kid because I've seen the pictures. Like, uh, if you go online, she looks like, like a kid. Well, in some of them, like she she looks like a kid, but there's you know there's something in her eyes. Like, you know, I'm not sure what to believe, but there's one picture of her where she's wearing, she's not wearing little kids clothes. She's not wearing like little pink dresses and stuff. She's sitting there. She's wearing like, you know, a a long sleeved shirt and and jeans. And she's got this scarf that's very like, you know, properly around. I mean, like it's not something a seven year old would wear. No. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. That she's at least 18 years old. Well, check her vocabulary because I guess when they had, um, you know, were talking, they said she's got quite a a very good vocabulary for somebody that age. Well, yeah, because the the story is like at the time the woman who adopted her was running like a a, a, like a nursery school, like a daycare. And and so the the this this daughter looked at her and she's just like, these children are exhausting. I don't know how you do it. Like what fucking Seven-year-old says yeah. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. from, from the Ukraine. You know? It, it, <laughs> she's a fucking crimble. She's a crimble. She's <laughs> and and they were like saying how she um yeah, she would say she said that, and then there was some other adult kind of thing that she was she got her period and she had like a full bush. Yeah. They put her in the bathtub. She, yeah, she took yeah. a bath and she yeah. had a full bush. She had a full bush. It was like if you take a, an orphan home and she says she's eight or whatever, how old I, she is. And she's got her yeah. I'm she, telling you. And I'm telling you, she's a changeling. Yeah. And I and and I am frightened for the well, next she's a family. Con, she's a con artist. She's a, she is a con artist. And she's a murderous con artist. And the, here's the other thing. The parents 
actually they have a son who's like some kind of a prodigy or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so, you know, at first they were looking at, at the adoptive parents and thinking, thinking that they were somehow, you know, I don't know. They, they were, they had abandoned her and they said, no, we left the house cause that bitch is crazy. And she tried to kill me. That's yeah. what they said. And they, they said, rented her an apartment. Yeah. And like, so she was living on her own in that apartment for a while. You can't tell me like, you know, like she was just like, some six-year-old wandering around yeah, the apartment no. like she was taking care of herself yeah, she knew what she knew what she was doing holy shit and you know so just in, in case she's there's I, i'm kind of scared she's listening right now oh i don't think she's listening to ours if she's listening to anything she's listening to the last podcast or or my favorite murder or, you never know um, like she could be yeah, listening she's to this coming. podcast like Actually, I'm kind of scared to walk. Stand over my bed with a knife. Scared to walk to my car. (laughs) Here comes the (laughs) crimble. You're gonna come home and oh my god, I'll be ready for the house. Arlie's gonna be gone, and there's gonna be like this. Hey, I'm the crimble. I'm I'm Arlie. I'm Arlie. I know what you're talking about. I'm Arlie. I feel like I'm Would you like a little Windex in your tea? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she and you know the thing is you don't even have to like make her the crimple for her to say things like this to me. She would never do it. She just jokes around, but like it she you know Arlie's uh, a fucking she's crimble. A, she is she's a, a crimble. crimble. She's a crimble. I'm a crimble, I'm a crimble, she's a crimble. Wouldn't you like to be a crimble too? Be a crimble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So So that's what that story reminded me of because there's the stories all the crumble. time of like changelings and brownies and you know the the kid disappears and it's replaced by this fairy and you have to you have to you know in order in order to get your the starting point of be of being able to get your real child back is to trick the crumble into revealing its age. So, so that there's was like always that, yeah. a, there's always like a loophole in these stories, like rumpled still skin. Yeah. It's like you had to know his name. You, you got to know his name. But yeah. So with with the crimble, you have to trick it into revealing how old it actually is. These grapes are like like I, they're crack. I'm like, I keep eating them. They're right in front no, of me. No, they're really good I grapes. I keep eating them. And I'm like. And I'm so I'm sorry if you can hear my no no that's my fine. Grape yeah, we've got yeah we've got we've got a very elegant spread mm. here in, mm-hmm. in in the dining room. Yeah, mm. so that's you know that's my that's my um it's not really a ghost story but it's you know it's like a a boggart. Yeah, and I think that you know too that these like stories so. Story time is one of those times that I think that, you know, parents and children, you know, it's a nice bonding time for them. It's actually <laughs> like my mother telling me about yeah. Anne Boleyn <laughs> or, or my dad reading me about guys with missing hearts with, you know, <laughs> under the floorboards with all, all of his parts down there, too. Yeah, it's it's bonding time. It's bonding time. We're going to talk about disemboweling people. Actually, you know, that whole disemboweling thing goes, you know, with the... Um, with the funeral thing, you know, the disemboweling. Mm. How would you like to be out there, listeners? How would you like to? What is this clown? Who is this oh, fucking yes. clown? Oh yeah, no, that's right. This is this is um, it's a horrible clown. Um, so I, I don't dine you, with clown. I don't dine with Ronald McDonald. Why no, am I dining with this you, clown? Wait till you see what this clown does. Um, so anyway, like so a few years ago, I face planted. I was telling you the story, and I was wearing these really stupid shoes, and I tripped, and I fell like bam, smack right. 
face plant right on my fucking face. It's a miracle that I didn't like lose any teeth or I broke my nose, but like my face was like a mess. It was just like this, this mask of blood. And so, um, you know, see my skin. I'm a mess of blood. blood. See my legs. I can hardly stand. I believe you can make me whole soon. Sorry. (laughs) Come with me to see my pus face. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, so of course, you know, social media, you know, I had to share like, you know, this horrible story. Like I'm in the ER because I fucking fell on my face. And so my friend Lisa Blankenship, who, um, actually lives in Georgia now, but at the time she was living in New York. Um, and she listens. Hi Lisa. Um, I'll have to have her phone in sometime. So she's just like, I have this thing that I'm going to send you that I think it might make you feel better. You know, it's it, it's, a, it's a sorry that you fell on your face present. <laughs> and so it's this fucking clown, okay? Oh, no. Did the battery die? In- <laughs> and his eyes light up red. It is so freaky. I got to squeeze it again. Oh, no. So if any of you guys saw Poltergeist and, like, remember how kind of, like, freaky scary that clown was. <laughs> it's kind of, it's on par with that. Yeah. With the, this guy really does have teeth and his yes. hair is, like, crazy. He's, he's, he's glowing red he's eyes. He's a little, like, Twisty the Clown. Because I think it was, oh, yeah. it was around the time that American Horror Story had. And if, you know, if you see my wall of horror over here next to the bathroom. Yeah. I have a, an autographed picture of Twisty. Um, you met him? Yeah, I met him at one of the Walker, Walker Stalker cons. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just like, I got to meet this guy. So, I yeah. see the Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah, I've got a few Walking Dead autographs. I've got... Um, I see um, the Gremlins guy. The Gremlins guy. I got Gremlins guy. I got uh, the Baby two people point. from... Um, yeah. Um, um, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So that's, and then, you know, some other just random horror things. That's, that's, yeah, my horror wall. The wall of horror. It's the wall of horror. This is wall of horror. In between the bedroom and the bathroom. It's a gallery. (laughs) It's a gallery wall. Every time you wake up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. So, yeah. So I think, I think she got it because it, because we were, we were obsessed with Twisty before that season. That was a, that was Freak Show before that season just got like really like, that's right. That yeah. season was that just was like, all right, I don't know, man. It's not my favorite. Coven, Coven, I think is still my I favorite. Was a good clown. Yeah, but but we did love Twisty. Yeah. Nobody knows what it's like to, to be, be the, the sad clown. <laughs> <laughs> to be the bad clown <laughs> with no lower jaw. <laughs> so we were we were obsessed in like making memes with twisty and so i I think it was around the same time that i face planted so she sent me she sent me this clown that the eyes light up and it laughs horribly and well, yeah. I, I I'm sure that clowns will be another topic that we discuss. Oh at no, some no, point. we're doing we're doing the clown episode. We're doing the clown episode for sure. I want to call it. Don't bother. They're here. Uh, <laughs> that's great. That'd be great. Yeah, send in the clowns. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that almost. <laughs> sorry, on a totally other note um are you excited to see the judy garland movie coming out with renee zellweger mm. as judy i don't know i have um Somewhere a drummer over the rain 
This is like older is Judy. Her, yeah, Judy. Older, drunk older, skinny, Judy, yeah. drunk, like pill, like anorexic Judy. Sid loved. Oh. That's it. Did you ever hear those recordings where she's ranting and ranting? Yeah, it's horrible. It's it horrible. Is so bad. No, um, one Christmas, the drummer for my band, um, Josh, who's the among other bands, but he's he's in Bikini Whale with me. He's he's our, he's our drummer, and we had a Christmas party, and he came over, and he's just like, he gave me this DVD of it's like a it's it's like Judy Garland's Christmas special, and it you know takes place you know supposedly in her living room, and and it's like. Liza appears out of you know and oh. does a song and it's just like it's so horrible to watch because it's just like it, it it's it's just it's just creepy and it's like Josh is like have you watched it have you watched it I'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but did you did you ever see her do the duet with Barbara Streisand yes that was beautiful oh I, I mean yeah say. I mean Judy had Judy had her moments but she, she had was some pipes so, man but she was and and it I, I swear to God I mean it started it started with the Wizard of Oz and you know with the 80th anniversary of the, of the Wizard of Oz and now all of these horrible stories are coming out about like what a horrible set it was to work on and how they like they bound her so like you know she was wearing like this horrible corset thing and like binding her breasts so oh. that she wouldn't look like a like a woman like you know so she would look younger than she was and of course you know they were and the dwarves that were on set that were harassing they, were, they would say they were, har- they were sexually harassing her, yeah. and and it was just like a t- and and Margaret Hamilton was like horribly burned. Oh, yeah, God. I mean it's if you it's it's horrible, and and it her her downfall like started with that movie. Well, and her mother gave her they gave her pills at a very very early age. You know, pills to stay up, sure. To, pills to go to sleep. Yeah, know, I mean, and that was the studio weight down. Yeah, that was the studio system. Right. You know, so that was the studio system. Was she with? Uh, she um, was MGM. MGM. Yep. Yeah, and that was, was pretty MGM. standard operating procedure. Yeah. With uh, with those folks, I guess at that time. Yeah. As far as we know. Yeah. So I don't know about Renee. I like Renee, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, if that don't make your booty move, your booty must be dead. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I guess, uh, I guess this is like a, this is our little mini podcast, I guess. It's our mini sode. We'll get it up this week. And, uh, oh, geez. So, uh, so there's a party going, there's a party going going on down here. So, uh, so there may be some other in-person appearances that, uh, Stay Scary will be making later on this month as we wind into uh the, that that most, most wonderful, wonderful time of the year dong ding dong <laughs> so it, no it's not christmas it's halloween Fuck christmas ding 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 yeah so um as as we get closer to that special holiday Samhain Halloween, mm. how, whatever you like to call it. The parting of the veil. The parting of, <laughs> like that dusty slit. The, the, the <laughs> dusty slit. Please come through the dusty, dusty slit. slit with us. <laughs> so uh, during Halloween, there may be some, uh, you got to stay tuned though. You got to stay, keep keep listening, keep, stay with us on Facebook and you'll hear about some of these uh, parties that we're going to be at because, you know, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, there's costumes involved. There's all sorts of uh, storytelling, maybe different stories than the ones we're telling today. 
Um, and if you have a special story that you would like for us to investigate or look at or, you know, read, uh, let us know because we want to hear from you. Yeah, it's what is it? StayScaryPod at gmail.com? StayScaryPod at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, and We're also on Twitter at StayScaryPod. We're on Facebook, StayScaryPodcast. Yep, and also now, on Instagram. Yes, yep, we now so, have an Instagram. Yep, so we're that's... covering all the social media bases. Yep, yep. So we're uh, we're playing a little catch-up with the Instagram, but you'll you'll see us uh, a little bit more there, too. And, uh, yeah, and we, we always love to hear from you, and we always like getting ideas from all creepy people out there all you creepy babies all you creepy babies we love our creepy babies <laughs> all right y'all thanks for tuning in that's my bedtime good night stay scary peace there's a